Hello and welcome back to London Coronavirus Podcast, the only daily independent pod of its kind, brought to you by a couple of Londoners trying to make sense of the surreal in surely the strangest days any of us will ever experience. On the podcast today, we talked about confinement, isolation and small spaces, and we really did have some great guests on the pod today. Our resident psychotherapist, Camilla Simpson, a former convict who was very, very impressive and really knows all about life in lockdown. We had a fascinating insight from Korea and so much more. I was joined today, as ever, for pod number... 23, ladies and gentlemen, my Mr. James Ware. James, spaces might be slim in spring, but the Ware word count was as high as ever during a very enjoyable Wednesday night pod recording. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Just bouncing off the Windsor wall here, like Forrest (laughs) Gump batting a ping pong ball against the wall. That's what it feels like. And yeah, really feeling in the midweek flow. Particularly enjoyed today's episode which I think like you're saying you know life's kind of gone from I really appreciate the catchphrase what a time to be alive it's kind of become a bit more like what a time to be alive recently and I I feel the show really encapsulated that today and I was particularly taking notes in our prison lecture hall here on the key things in your daily routine to surviving this lockdown confinement. I found those invaluable. Also incredible to hear out of Korea from someone who was cut off the news for five weeks when this was all breaking in Europe around the world, to hear what a shock to the system it was, to hear what's been happening and discover all of that news at once. A really chock-a-block show today. Uh, yeah, that's very interesting, James. You saying the the phrase "what a time to be alive" has hasn't changed any of the words, but it's definitely changed its kind of tonality and meaning, right? Because today I found myself thinking, "It is what it is," which is something that I'm not quite sure globally, but certainly Londoners use that phrase so much. It is what it is in kind of a light-hearted way, but now the words are the same, but the meaning's a bit different. It's kind of it is what it is. So yeah, that's uh, <laughs> my thoughts anyway. Anyway, James, we are here. Every single day on London Coronavirus Podcast. Enjoy the pod. So, James, I just wanted to start today by talking about the sentiments on the street in London. And not just the sentiment, actually, but the smiles as well, because... I'm 100% sure that people are smiling at each other more now than ever in London. I mean, certainly in my experience, today I went to the supermarket and I was smiled at twice by a mother with with three kids and also an old man. And I I can't speak for the rest of the country, but honestly, James, 99% of what I've seen has been polite, respectful in terms of distance, and perhaps more importantly, it's been really calm. There's no sense of panic on the street. And that's not to downplay what's happening, because clearly, listen, today, 938 people, I think, died uh, in the UK due to coronavirus. That's on April the 8th. And that is eye-wateringly sad. But listen, in terms of the street and what I feel have, uh, being a Londoner and having boots on the ground here is there's just a sense of keep calm and carry on, because otherwise it really is a case of kind of climb under the duvet and cry and I think the Queen's speech the other night talking about quiet good humoured resolve is really really important right now and I mean that's my perspective James listen we we live in different boroughs but 
I know from talking off pod to you, you've also seen a calmness and a kindness and people just generally trying to find positive slithers from this situation. Yeah, I was catching up with a friend of mine last night over video call, Dave, and he's in Israel. And he was saying with his sister, they both grew up here and they were like, well, what's the vibe like in London? You know, they were kind of fascinated to get a report from here from me. And the best way I could sum it up was really that it's kind of strangely calm. That is the majority mm. of the feeling actually on the streets. Of course, we see those numbers and it's deeply saddening and maddening all at once. But actually day to day, like you're saying, it's calm. And when we were speaking a few weeks ago about wanting to see that solidarity, it feels like it's come through in a really beautiful way. Like you're saying, it's just person to person when you're out and about in a, in a really simple way. I think we're seeing more and more of that the longer that this goes on. And I was also quite moved too in the past day by seeing all the people posting their photos of this pink supermoon that we were blessed by last night. And I thought there was just something really moving about the fact that even with this situation, which is so difficult for everybody and particularly difficult and kind of difficult beyond comprehension for those most affected, but it's so tricky for everyone right now. And these conditions, which are so hard for people, the fact that there were so many people that I saw on social media or speaking to as well, who had been moved by the beauty of this simple natural thing and were choosing to focus on that right now, rather than like some of the really deep rabbit holes of our minds we can go through about this on a personal level and a bigger scale right now. I was really moved by that. I thought like it really showed the way that we can focus our minds on the positive, not naively, but in a way that's really powerful. And also like appreciate the simple beauty of nature and the simple beauty of the little things right now like seeing that in a really practical way widespread across people with this whacking great pink moon in the sky last night really moved me and particularly against those really really just like numbers that we can't even begin to do justice to the sadness of that came through today here in the UK. James, I think it's really important what you say there about choosing where to focus your energy. Because, listen, if you want, you can watch six, eight hours of news straight, right? And, yeah, you might get the facts and figures, but you're also going to be pretty depressed listening to that. So I think for people to choose to be well, rationally optimistic in this situation and, and be completely aware of what's happening. But also, we can still enjoy certain things in life. And, and yeah, as you say, the, the moon was something that people really um, took a great deal of pleasure from. So, yeah, I, th- I think it is super important at this time to pick exactly where you're putting your energy and your focus on a daily basis. So one of the phrases that you keep hearing across all the coverage of our experience of the past few weeks is, unless you've been living under a rock for the past while, you will have heard of this. And it's amazing how phrases we'd never heard before that weren't even invented more than a couple of weeks ago have quickly become tip of the tongue catchphrases. It's like we're all these locked in Bruce Forsyths walking around speaking about self-isolating and social distancing. 
But one of the things that we were talking about off the podcast, Dave, was we were like imagining what it would be like if you had actually been completely cut off from the news cycle and suddenly re-emerged into this brave new 2020 world. Like how much of a shock to the system that would be. And it was something that I particularly was thinking of because I actually started this year by doing a silent 10-day meditation course where you hand in your phone at the beginning, there's no internet, you're not even allowed books or any news or anything, can't even read there. And so I was thinking this was actually Mexico that I did it, which makes it seem even weirder to imagine that now. But I was thinking how weird it would be for people who'd done that. The normal course is 10 days, but some do longer. If you'd done that at critical time and suddenly come out the other side and heard about all of this, it would have been super, super wacky. And then lo and behold, I heard from a friend of mine about a friend of theirs who has been in Korea doing his military service that you have to do by a certain age if you're a Korean citizen. So he'd left London to go and do that. And he had actually been cut off at the critical time for the news development of this. He hadn't had any access to news for the whole five weeks where this really started affecting us here in Europe and really became a global story rather than just something in Asia. And he was kind enough to speak to me about his experience. So here is what it's actually like to suddenly hear about this coronavirus crisis for the first time now. So when did you actually enter the camp and get cut off from the news? So um, it was the 28th of January. Um, and that was when there was no case at all in Europe. And um, there were only 26 infected people in Korea. Okay. Um, and and it was a strange time because um, like in Korea, there was there was a concern over um, swine flu, which was quite, you know, which was being handled quite seriously. And then, you know, when we went in, we got cut cut off from the news because you're not allowed to have any sort of mobile devices. Sure. Um, So uh, what, what was really weird, though, was that every week they started introducing, you know, more measures. So when we went in, they gave us all masks. Uh-huh. And then we had to wear it even during our sleep. So wow. like you had to, you have to have, you have to have um, your mask on at all times from the wake, actually not from the waking moment, but you just like, you wake up with your mask on and you sleep with your mask on. Um, and then all of a sudden they started measuring our um, temperatures. So that was, five times a day I believe so you know when you wake up after breakfast after lunch after dinner and before going to sleep they they would just you know pass on the the um the, the thermostat and then you just you know measure it and they started restricting our you know outside activities so you can go out to the fields um and at that point we knew what was kind of going on because we you know, we could get some secondhand news from our, you know, leaders and officers. 
but obviously like the exact magnitude of what was happening was unclear sure and when did you first actually get access to the news and get a full picture of what was going on um okay so i left the boot camp on the 5th of march i got my phone on the 12th of march um kind of like so no was it 12th i think it was even later like around 12th 15th sure so three weeks ago um and you know when i like then i I got really excited and started contacting all my friends from europe yeah yeah and and everything they could talk about was coronavirus (laughs) it was like what the thing like you know this is mad and you know i started going on bbc and i saw um italy was struggling and you know i was i was actually quite in shock That is super fascinating, James, to listen to. First of all, I mean, sleeping with the masks on and getting your temperature taken five times a day, that is that is really intense. And it also got me thinking about how everyone has experienced this in different layers. Because for some people, if you're based in a big city that's been affected, yes, it's happened very quickly. But also, day by day, you could kind of see this coming, right? And in different ways, I mean, I talking from through my lens, I was in Argentina working, sun was shining, everything was good and happy. And then in, you know, in 10 days, my kind of world got flipped on its head. And, and you know, when you live in your own reality, that to me was like a really big deal. Like everything that I was working on just uh, was essentially deleted and I kind of raced back to Europe. And then you've even got a further example here of a much more extreme example of not knowing anything about this and then suddenly finding out in just a complete whirlwind so I think while this has happened really quickly for everyone it's obviously happened quicker for others and and that is a that is a really revealing insight fascinating yeah we kept saying at the start of this process for us here in London when it really started to become real for us the impact that this was going to have on all of us how hard it was to get your head around there And I think we really got a flavour there of how impossible it is to get your head around it all at once, like you're saying, when Mm. you don't have the time to get up to speed. And just like how surreal a situation this is. But again, you take half a step back and you're just like, this is completely crazy. You know, you, you really like suddenly have to take stock of it in that way whereas it's amazing how quickly we've got used to it and yeah I thought it was really fascinating there hearing like about his process of learning about this but he kind of from those things like the masks and having the temperatures taken began to get a feeling that something was up but not knowing what Mm. that was like amazing that even in conditions that are that cut off and that secure this was having an impact too we've also said plenty of times how much this has impacted anyone and everyone and crazy that it reaches even into that kind of space too whether you're doing your military service or not right now it feels like we're all in our own kind of boot camp or some are comparing this less favourably to prison. Ellen DeGeneres, the famous chat show host of The Ellen Show in LA, 
compared her setup even in her multi-million dollar Hollywood mansion to prison, which got quite a mixed review from the general mm. public. But I think we can all sympathise with that experience right now, however nice a space you might be spending it in. Being confined in that space is feeling really intense. My isolation inspiration that is Ronaldinho, the famous Brazilian former (laughs) footballer, actually got released from being in actual prison today and is now in house arrest in Paraguay. He's under house arrest, which really makes me feel that he's joining us in solidarity. He thought he'd set the example for us in prison, and now he wants to be with us mere mortals who are all kind of under our own house arrest right now. So I particularly appreciated that gesture of solidarity from Ronaldinho. First of all, setting the pace and now joining us alongside us in our own experience. Dave, I know this has been particularly intense for you because like many people in London right now, you're not in the most spacious abode. You're in the studio there and not just Mm. in a recording sense. How have you coped with that confinement in a really small space now that it's begun to drag on into weeks and weeks? Well... Firstly, James, I'm not in any way comparing my situation to some of the conditions people are living in uh, around the globe, right? Mm. But that said, I do feel more qualified than most, perhaps, to talk about confinement in kind of big cities because I do live in a 22-metre uh, squared studio, which is small. And uh, I guess, how have I coped with it? I think you can basically reframe almost anything in life to be a challenge, right? There are some things clearly you can't and just... a uh, 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 horrible and tragic but most things you can reframe as a challenge so I've seen it as a challenge and I like the space however small it is that I live in so that kind of element has been okay what I do what grates me slightly perhaps is kind of politicians or high profile media figures saying close the parks and that that just doesn't resonate with most people that live in big cities because Mm. I'm going to venture to suggest that most of those high profile politicians and media figures aren't living in tiny spaces. In fact, quite the opposite, right? And the park near me, as well as this podcast, of course, James, has kept me sane in the last kind of two or three weeks. So I guess, listen, you can only appreciate the space you're in, but Ellen DeGeneres saying something like that, it it does just show that... There is a disconnect, I think, sometimes. But for me personally, and thanks for checking in, mate, I've, I've been all right. I like the space I'm in. I see it for what it is. We're lucky that it's been so sunny recently and my flat's quite light, so the light streams in. And yeah, James, I'm cracking on. Whether this is another three weeks or three months, I'll be all right. I'm glad to hear that, Dave. And we've got some professional <laughs> advice for any of you who right. might be struggling with the confinement aspect of this experience a little bit more. Because let's face it, being stuck, in a small space that's just the same space pretty much the whole time is flipping challenging whether you embrace that challenge or not so we reached (laughs) out to an ex-prisoner Jacob Hill he's done time inside and he's a super lovely guy who now runs a company called Offploy who help those with conviction secure meaningful mentored and sustainable employment really inspiring work that he does But he sent us his top tips from his time in prison that helped him to survive that and to actually try and thrive through that time. So for those of you very much feeling like you're imprisoned in your own home, this will be super helpful. Over to Jacob. (laughs) 
Hi London Coronavirus Podcast, my name is Jacob Hill, uh, I'm an ex-prisoner and the founder of an organisation that supports prisoners to get back into work on their release. Uh, going, uh, Having done 294 days inside prison, I felt that a routine was key to surviving isolation um, and every day, as I do now, I have a, a, a routine hour by hour from what happens when I wake up to uh, when I finally switch off for the evening. The, uh, the three things that you have to include in your routine um, is exercise, whether that's sitting in your armchair and just waving your arms about for a bit or doing a 10k. It's education, ensuring that you're doing something to learn and grow your mind. Uh, and then finally, it's, it's, it's social and, and talking to someone, anyone, just to get out there and speak to someone. Uh, maybe even just listen to this podcast. All right, that's me. Thanks. Bye. That was great, James. And I've never met Jacob Hill, but first of all, he sounds, first of all, he gets the pod, which I like, but also he sounds very impressive. I mean, that is, that's genuinely sensible, great advice from someone who has unfortunately been there and done that. And he knows what proper, genuine prison feels like. So yeah, I thought there was some really good, good bits of advice in there. Yeah, we've listened to a serious number of audio clips over these last few weeks, Dave, one way or another. (laughs) Some good, some bad. That has got to be up there for bang for your buck for 50 seconds of just really super helpful advice. And I think all of those things have been so handy right now. Like, I definitely feel I was reflecting on this at lunchtime today that, like, somehow we're really trying to, like, make new stuff every day. And it's amazing how if you just make something new every day... It's impossible to feel like you haven't achieved something that day, even if it's just mm. like trying to make a new drink or make something new for dinner. It's amazing how like helpful I found that because then it's like, oh, well, today I did do something really unique and new. So like that education side that he mentions has been key to his experience, I think has been super helpful to me. We've said how helpful exercise has been to us mentally as well. And that social side, like we're lucky to be doing this and communicating with lots of new people every day, as well as checking in with our own friends and families. But for sure, I think those to me sounded like kind of three legs on a tripod. That if you had all three of those, you're going to have a pretty firm quarantine tripod set up. Completely concur, James. And you know how much I love a 50 to 60 second WhatsApp audio, which is just clearly conducted. And our man Jacob produced just that. And that's a little bit harder than you'd think to find on London Coronavirus Podcast. But we get there sometimes and we got there perfectly uh, with Jacob Hill. Yeah, that's what gets you up in the morning, Dave. I also <laughs> really particularly <does>. <laughs> appreciated that Jacob's WhatsApp came through. I was delighted by its delivery. And his WhatsApp profile photo, which shows the amazing work that he's doing, is him outside number 10 Downing Street on the steps. And normally, under normal circumstances, you'd see that of someone and be like, wow, this Mm. person is pretty impressive. Whereas I have to be honest and admit my first thought was more... Get off that step. There are so many germs floating around that area. Like, kind of was giving me heart palpitations rather than just being blown away by someone's achievement. But no, the work that Jacob's doing is amazing and really inspiring. 
and that right now this maybe is a time where it's hard to see that in that image doesn't detract at all from what he's doing Next up on Lotto Coronavirus Podcast, we have Living the Quarren Dream, the part of the pod where people let us know exactly how they are thriving in isolation. And today, James, my dad is back in business. Tony Windsor back to deliver his uh, Quarren Dream. Previously, he had a pandemic purchase for us, but this time it's something a little bit different. So I'll let my dad take it away. And Dave and James, hello there. Tony from Hurst again. Talk about the Quarren Dream. Last night's roast lamb was delicious. However, there's lots left over. So what we normally do is have a curry on the next day. Couldn't find any naan. So with all this time to spare, yep, we're going to make our own naans. Garlic naans. I always wondered what to do with Nigella seeds. They're going in too. Living the Quarren Dream. the kind of thing you meant James when you meant the sa- when you talked about the satisfaction in making something yourself yeah completely like I think there are so many things as someone who doesn't normally cook at all I'll be honest there are so many things I love to eat when I'm out of band with spoil in London by the range that that encompasses mm. and to suddenly have the chance to have a crack at those is actually super exciting. Like, I can completely sympathise with that quarantine dream. Today, I made my own chocolate orange protein shake. And even that, like, normally a fancy London gym, you pay, like, five or six pounds for that after Mm. you've done a workout. Whereas this was, like, I was doing my own orange. That's, like, a couple of quid all in. And you have that sense of achievement that comes across there. You discover, like, ingredients you didn't even know existed. Have to say, hearing that for the first time... I slightly worried that your dad was going to say, I finally discovered what Nigella Lawson's for when he was talking about the (laughs) Nigella seed. Didn't quite know where that one was going to go. But yeah, really, I feel like people's ingredient vocabulary is getting super serious right now, especially because some people are just picking up the niche of things that are left in some of the supermarkets. That's encouraging people to really branch out. It's like kind of compulsory, mystery, ready, steady, cook bag. And I think that, I know entertainment production has been kind of halted by this, but we're due some very competitive editions of MasterChef, the Great (laughs) British Bake Off. It's going to be a golden era of public cookery shows over the next few years with all of this rehearsal time, which has been enforced upon the people. It's not all dreamy right now. Sometimes the situation is pushing people into weirder and wackier avenues of action. And luckily for those people, Dave and I are here every night to take to the coronavirus confession booth. Now, such is the popularity of confessions right now (laughs) that I was reading today, Dave, that in Poland... They've started a drive-through confession service (laughs) so that people can drop in and do an actual drive-through confession. And I really feel we were ahead of our time on that one. Like, actually, Mm. ahead of the church, in fact, on this one. Because (laughs) we've been offering confessions that don't require you to leave the comfort of your own home for several weeks now. And... 
as always here on London Coronavirus Podcast. There's no judgment. We're just here to listen and to learn what people are getting up to, really. I think this is an education for all of us. And today's coronavirus confession has been sent in from Andy in Brixton. The name's Andy. I'm from Brixton and I work at a bank. Basically, I work in IT and I have to go in every day because my boss says it's mission critical, which is all fine. The funny thing is, I'm not used to not doing anything apart from taking a tube. So, now that the tube's closed, or my wife says it is, and I'm not allowed in, I have to run in. And you know what that means, right? 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back, I've lost about five kilos. My wife calls me a shrimp. But the funny thing is, I like it. Another fantastic coronavirus confession, James. And I love the fact that Andy eventually, he almost convinced himself through that <laughs> monologue, through that confession. And he ended up just saying, I like it. And it was almost an epiphany, I felt, from Andy. That, that was spectacular. The confession booth, James, is always open. Absolutely. That was a journey at a time where, as Andy started out by saying, journeys aren't really allowed. But I feel like <laughs> I really got some air miles listening to that one. And I liked how it all started as a confession of non-essential work, but ended up being this almost like quite really like moving story about exercise redemption. Like it had a real plot twist in the middle somewhere. Yeah, very surreal sinning there from Andy from Brixton. (laughs) And whatever this situation has driven you to do, you're always welcome in our bunker booth here on London Coronavirus Podcast. You can send in your coronavirus confessions to us anonymously if you want. That's actively encouraged. All the details to get in touch on Instagram at London CV Podcast or on Twitter under the same username. James, we've had so many great coronavirus confessions recently, but I've actually got a backlog myself of confessions, so I don't know quite how that's going to work. We've obviously put our audience and our listeners first in this instant, but, you know, I think it was about 10 days ago, two weeks ago, Windsor was, was, you know, he was trotting into the confession booth on a regular basis. That's been taken away from me, and I do have quite a few weights on my shoulders, James, that either on or off pod, I'm going to need to confess to you. Dave, you're always welcome, and I admire your restraint in the socially distanced virtual queue to the confession booth. Maybe we could have a weekend special where you just unload. Easter Sunday feels like a fitting day of redemption for Windsor to just bed down in the confession booth for some essential confession action. up on London Coronavirus Podcast, we have the section of the pod where we take a little step to the side because whilst, of course, we try to bring as much well-meaning, light-hearted humour to the situation as we can, we also completely appreciate and understand the fact that this is such a serious issue where people are dealing with a lot of mental health problems being isolated and cooped up inside. But fear not, because our resident psychotherapist, Camilla Simpson, has once again offered some really fantastic words on confinement and isolation and how to survive and thrive in this situation. So without further ado, here is Camilla Simpson. (laughs) 
name is Camilla Simpson and I'm a psychotherapist specialising in the treatment of addiction and mental health disorders. When I was asked to consider how we can survive and even thrive in solitary confinement or small spaces, I was tempted to say that we can't. However, that would have been unhelpful and also largely untrue. As the nation descends into a secondary epidemic of grumpiness, boredom and irritability, how can it be possible to look at world events through a positive lens rather than a negative? Can we view the glass as half full rather than half empty? Do we even want to? In 2004, two psychologists discovered the idea of character strengths, a set of 24 identifiable character traits that each individual can identify and adopt. The idea being that when practised in day-to-day life, Not only do we enjoy our lives more, but we actually flourish. These character strengths range from creativity and kindness to bravery and persistence. Even humour makes an appearance. Having been strangely fascinated about what my own strengths were, I was delighted to discover that my signature strength is perspective. Helpful for 2020, I thought. So... If you want to find out how you can flourish, log on to a popular internet search engine and type in character strengths. There are various free tests you can take to identify your own. But if you can't be bothered to do that, use one of the popular social media apps to ask a trusted friend. I encourage you to try something different these days. Perhaps your strength isn't binge-watching Netflix. Maybe it is. Either way, be inquisitive and enjoy the results. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay connected, and I'll see you on the other side. James, more wonderful words than Camilla. I'm starting to view Camilla as almost like the little angel on my shoulder. You know when you have, you know you've got the angel and the devil, and sometimes, understandably, I think people have pretty miserable thoughts over the last few weeks. But I think Camilla's just a nice little seesaw antidote to that because everything's just she just makes everything make sense if that makes sense. <laughs> Who's the devil on your other shoulder, Dave? I don't know if I've been auditioning for that part in the recording booth. I, I hope I, I haven't quite nailed that one down. But yeah, I actually did one of those earlier this year as well as like some of the other tests on the different things that make up your personality alongside your strengths. And they're super interesting. Like they're actually quite fun to do. Mm. And like, I find them really weird. Like they almost feel like one of those psychic readings because you read what it says about you and what you like and how you do things. And you're like, wow, this has really got me in one. It's actually kind of spooky, some of the stuff, or at least I found that. So really interesting thing to do. And I think those traits for all of us, all of our different personality traits, with having to process this situation, are coming to the fore right now, aren't they? They're all just like magnified. It's like the volume's been Mm. turned up on all of them. So if ever that was a good time to learn about ourselves and what our strengths are and how our personality works, this is probably like the most perfect opportunity for that. So really, really fabulous advice as ever. And yeah, I, I definitely feel like whenever we play one of Camilla's clips on the show, I can kind of hear cartoon like angel noises mm. and kind of see light streaming in the window even though it's the evening now i know it's british summertime but that's baffling 
Yeah, it just kind of cuts through a lot of the haze, I think, what Camilla says. And uh, I think in, this is a good time for introspection. I don't think all the time is a good time for introspection, but this certainly is. But James, you know what my follow-up question is? I mean, you're quite a self-aware, sure. you're quite a self-aware guy. And you said you did it. And what was your kind of signature strength? And or if you don't want to reveal that, at least tell me, was it what you expected it to be? Oh, I think I'd have to actually find it, big guy. <laughs> That's okay. We 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 can always uh, loop back into this chain of thought in another pod, James. But uh, yeah, no, I was just interested because I can tell you what I think. We can we might even cut this out. We might keep this in. I don't know yet. But I can tell you, James, what I think your strengths are. So you must have a good idea of. You know, I mean, I think anyone listening to this podcast would realise that you're a super positive guy. You're a self-aware. Nah, I'm just saying it as I see it. You know, you're, an, you're you've got great self-awareness and good perspective, right? So, were one of those your signature strengths, or was just you know what 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 came up basically? Yeah, I think I think that they, I think that they were actually something like that, Dave. You could have saved me half an hour of online <laughs> testing. If in doubt, call Dave Windsor, not just for recording podcasts. <laughs> That's what I've really learned over the past few weeks. <laughs> And now as we get towards the stage where we wrap up today's podcast, it's time to wrap all of ourselves in a warm blanket as we go into another day in the form of coronavirus kindness. And today, one story really leapt out at me from this. And it's actually one which goes back to when I watched the BAFTAs on TV. Kind of hard to fathom an event like that now with showbiz completely on pause and not seeming very appropriate at all and just that many people in one building. Weird that that's the most remarkable things about (laughs) loads of A-listers getting together in London right now. It's just picturing that many people in one space regardless of who they were. But there was a filmmaker who won a BAFTA this year for his documentary about travelling on the perilous journey from Syria to the UK as a refugee. He's called Hassan Akkad. He's 32 years old. And amazingly, this story ended with him winning a BAFTA for the film he'd made about this journey. But he applied to become a volunteer cleaner in NHS hospitals in London as soon as the illness hit the UK and he got trained up to do this and then was able to start doing this this week and shared a picture of him in his full protective gear going in to disinfect the hospital and for him he just said that it felt like this was an amazing way for him to give back to the UK, a place that has given him so much and he can now call home. And this quote really summed it up beautifully for me. He said, I hope if this teaches us one thing, it teaches us to be kinder to one another, despite where we come from. I hope this changes us for the best. So some real words of wisdom, as well as a really remarkable story for today's coronavirus kindness. London, coronavirus podcast. We 
end every edition of London Coronavirus Podcast with a quote, something to set you up for the next 24 hours. And I know, James, I bounce between Plato, Frankie Boyle, uh, David Blaine and a fair few others, but I always seem to keep going back to Winnie the Pooh. And <laughs> so it's Eeyore again today. And I was just thinking about the very high death toll in the UK today, James, and just thinking about how upsetting it is really and how sad it is. And I basically landed on this quote from Eeyore, which I think, hopefully, sums things up. It could be worse. I'm not sure how, but it could be. <laughs>